get uh, the notes for today by just taking a look on the app, download the app, and you can see that there's some discussion questions at the conclusion of the blog that we always make available for our community groups, but those are also a great tool for you around the table at home with your family just to discuss what uh, we're journeying together as a family, as a church family. It's a good day. This is a good day. Why don't you say it with me? This is a good day. This is a wonderful day. Why don't you say it out loud? I'm a mighty man of God. Say a woman if you're a woman. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm going over. I'm not going under. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. Come on, let's just thank the Lord for his goodness, his faithfulness, the power of his transforming word in our lives. Engage your heart in all that we do. I pray that our hearts be truly engaged in what God is desiring to reveal. I, I want us to just press into this understanding in this particular season of just going deeper in the things of God and how we all have a conversational design. Um, your DNA is actually structured in the image of God with a conversational design. I, I personally, because of, you know, we all have different makeups, different expressions of this. Some people are more out there with everybody. Some people are more intimate with somebody in the way they communicate and have conversation. But you were born for conversation. You were born for conversation with humanity. You were born for conversation with God. Um, and I want us to explore, walk that out just a little bit more. Um, we've said in the past few weeks, and I just want to reiterate a couple of things and bring a little bit of a different light from some of the things that uh, God's been stirring. But a daily conversational relationship through prayer, a daily conversational relationship, you're going to practice this every day, a daily conversational relationship through prayer, through God's Word, through these opportunities where we gather together under the mantle of Scripture, where uh, those online are able to press in and be as if we're all together in the room. Those of us that are gathered in this room, we're able to have that sense of interaction, even physically, but there's something significant about our gathering together, coming together in the way that we worship, in the way that we come under um, the authority of God's Word as a family. So daily conversational relationship through prayer, God's Word, as we gather together, all these things awaken new levels of conversation for new levels of life. There are some really cool conversations. Uh, many people know uh, the seven points of prayer that we focused in on, and one of those things is we're praying routinely, regularly, um, every single day. It's been my commitment. And I just feel there's some things that don't happen except by fasting and prayer. We understand that from Scripture. I also believe there's some things that don't happen except by weeks of consistent prayer. And some things that don't happen except by months of consistent prayer. Do you understand? There's some things God wants to stir in your heart that you'll begin to declare every single day. And some things don't happen except by years of consistent prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. How about you? Some things won't happen except by generations of consistent prayer. I'll never forget the morning we were having Tuesday morning prayer in the other building before we moved over here. And um, 
And I, I walked around the room and I, I heard Sister Russell praying and I just thought, you know, this woman's been praying more years than I've been alive. And I just went over and sat down and she said, uh, what do you need, pastor? And I just found it interesting. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting down and, and she's probably thinking I'm going to bring something, you know, a word or a ministry or something. And I said, what I need is what you have. I want you to lay hands on me, Sister Russell. I want you to pray an impartation in my life. I want to have a spirit of intercession, a mantle that you've carried, a torch that you've cultivated. I want that fire to be alive within me. And I just want to honor you, Sister Russell, for your many years of prayer, seeking God, walking on this ground before there were ever any buildings here. Come on, we thank God for people who paid a price. And part of this declaration that conversations would become a confirmation that God is speaking to us all. It's just so amazing when God does this, when he reveals something that he's been speaking, and all of a sudden it's a confirmation. And, and we're focusing in, most of you would know, and everybody has really seemingly been trying to be extremely punctual right now, and we're really appreciative of that because we start every service now with a story, with a testimony. We overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And just what Pastor Chris was sharing this morning as we got started about compassion and love being contagious and others in the neighborhood back here as we were ministering there, jumping in to help. They don't even know, uh, you know, in terms of who we really are, the church, but they just got involved, got engaged. They saw us making a difference and then they started helping making a difference. There's something contagious when we all start really walking that out stirring uh, ourselves up to take hold of, of the things of God and in the midst of all of that God then begins to confirm his voice how many of you know you have you hear the voice of God do you understand you hear the voice of God how many of you wonder sometimes was that God or was that me anybody uh, this is the thing you have to understand God doesn't speak to you in a King James language that's different from the language you use every adult that ever spoke to a baby speaks to a baby in baby language have you ever noticed that anybody ever seen really cool macho people and then they see a baby and they're like ah, da, da, boo, boo. you know they start immediately going baby language you know why because that's what a good father does how much more so an earthly father can do that than the heavenly father knows to speak your language that you comprehend that you understand it's no wonder you think sometimes is that just me is that God I really have a hard time telling that at times all of us feel that way and I want to talk through a little bit of that today help set that uh, set you at ease in all of this I I um I really thought this was kind of a wild scenario. Uh, last Sunday, I had this, this word. I'm, I'm doing a, a new approach to just trying to practice listening to God. I encourage you to explore new ways to seek God. And so uh, I'm, you know, we're challenging everybody, turn the page, get an old-fashioned Bible. We're looking at creative ways to help this become more pronounced within our church family even. But just start Genesis, every day turning one page, writing the date at the top of the page, little things, you know, happy birthday, anniversary, commemorations. It becomes this beautiful legacy heirloom. I've actually finished another Bible, now starting over in that same Bible, so I'll have two dates running parallel in the progression. It took me about three and a half years to go through one, so about seven years I'll have this Bible uh, twice through. But what I'm doing right now is I write the date, and then I write a word. And this is where I get the word. I just wake up in the morning, and I've done this now through last month and, and so far this month, and maybe the Lord will steer me away from it at some point. But I just wake up in the morning, and I just lay there and think about how much I really want to hear the Lord all day long. How many of you know life will go better if we can learn to listen to God? 
So I just, I rehearse that in my brain. It's like the first thing I think about. Once I have coherent thoughts, which some people would dispute if I ever do, but I do. And as soon as I start having coherency and I wake up, then I am praying, Lord, I want to hear your voice today. And I, before I get out of bed, I just lay there and look at the ceiling and just wait for a word to come. That word's different, different days. It was interesting today, but it was really interesting one week ago today. And so here's a picture of my Bible. I kind of fan the pages out and you can see the progression of the dates and the different words that I had. And so uh, in that particular Sunday, whenever I was uh, uh, you know, listening, it was really early in the morning, probably 5 a.m. actually, and I got up and wrote that in there and then came through the course of the day and I thought to myself, am I really hearing God? Because it seemed like a very different word from what I've been, you know, like encouraging word, this word, helpful word, whatever those words may be. And so uh, I thought, well, maybe it's just me. And, and how many of you want to get it right all the time? Anybody here you want to get it right all the time? That's the pursuit of perfection. And Adam and Eve sinned in the original beginning in the pursuit of perfection. Okay, so I want, I want to alleviate you from that. You're not always going to get it right. And if you're going to require yourself to always get it right before you put God's word into practice, then really that's modeling the original sin of Adam and Eve. Like I want it to be perfect or I'm not going to give a shot. I want to alleviate that today. I want to help you get off the hook because I, I literally got up and I thought, well, I probably missed it today. And there are probably many words I've written in the course of you know, a couple of months that were more me than God. But God's okay with that. We keep, keep working at it. And so in that particular day, uh, you know, I, I thought, I literally, I was laying in bed and thought, this is just me. Well, I wrote it in my Bible. I thought, well, this is just me. This word doesn't make any sense. We came to church last Sunday. If you were here, there was a strong prophetic declaration. We were praying, prophesying over people, just God stirring some things deeply that we would hear the voice of the Lord. And, uh, and then I got home in the afternoon, and I get this message from Kayla Martinez, who's over here, second row, um, Caleb and Kayla, and we're, you know, really exploring everything that God's desiring together as families, and we're seeking the Lord together and some of those things. And, and she just actually sent this message to Caleb and to me, and she said, I know this is random, but after you were praying for people, I felt like the Lord gave me a word for you. Seems like it's out of left field doesn't really make sense. I don't know anything that you're going through that would, I mean, she was justifying it every bit as much as I had been earlier in the day. And she said, the word is, drumroll, suffering. And, and, you know, like that's not a real common word that you would want to share. I have a word for you, right? Suffering. Uh, but I want you to, we're going to pull my Bible back up and I'll show you at 5 a.m. that morning, uh, she actually uh, named the word. You see it on July 19th, the 20th, suffering. So I went, that's a picture I sent to them, and I said, we've heard the Lord together on this. So let me just explain something to you in terms of the idea of suffering, um, because some people have been fearful of my life uh, that I've shared this story. Oh no, pastor, what are you going to do? Uh, I want you to know that suffering is simply um, an avenue to greater glory. The scripture says that. Suffering leads to greater glory. And there's suffering by persecution and pain and difficulty. But listen, there's also suffering by consecration. There's suffering by persecution, there's suffering by consecration. Fasting and praying is purposing suffering to go deeper into the things of God. You understand what I'm saying? So I just started really asking the Lord all week this week how to engage in that. And I'm not sure what all of it's going to entail. But but it was just, again, such a random word that brought such confirmation. And I just, man, I want 
us to walk with God in a way that we're all hearing the voice of the Lord, we're all having conversation that's bringing confirmation. Uh, this past Wednesday night, you know, we're doing this Holy Spirit class one more week, right? This is the last Wednesday, so you can get in if you want to join us, 7 o'clock on our Facebook, uh, Destiny Facebook, or you can join us uh, upstairs in this building in that center room, the media center room, and AT's doing a great job bringing that element uh, and, and this past Wednesday night, I was sitting at a table with Rachel Wimberly and Chris Goodson. And, uh, and the conclusion of the class was to turn everybody loose to pray with each other at the table. And so um, Rachel turns around, she looks at me, she looks at Chris, and if you don't know who Rachel is, um, she's not going to be an audacious personality, a big expression, like I have a prophetic, you know, I'm going to prophesy now. And so I kind of joked with her because I saw the nervousness, and I just tend to tamper with nerves. I don't know why it's an issue I have. But if I see you're nervous, then I go straight to the jugular just to mess with you. Uh, it's just, uh, uh, just one of the joys of life for me. And so I, I see that she's a little bit nervous because like we're about to pray together. And I'm not even sure if she's okay with praying out loud. So I just look at her and I said, you know, Rachel, I think the uh, assignment is that we prophesy to each other. So Chris and I will just sit here while you prophesy over us. Just go ahead. And that was kind of her response, and she said, if you're going to wait for me to prophesy, this is what she said, if you're waiting for me to prophesy, we're going to be here a long time. <laughs> and I think that's probably where a lot of us dwell. But you know what I said? I just said, you know, my family, we take time at times just to make room, just like this around a table, and we simply ask the question, who could we pray for tonight? And then... Somebody will come to mind, and then we ask the question, how can we pray for that person? You know what I'm doing with my children? Now they're adults, and so they drive me in this more than I drive them. But when they were younger, you know what I was doing? I was getting them in touch with the fact that God gives us promptings and helps us think about what he's desiring for us to understand. Who, who do you want to pray for? Why did that person come to mind? What do you want to pray for them? Why do you think you're praying that? I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? We have to make room to practice this. Otherwise, we just neglect it and go on down life, and we just keep saying, well, I don't know if that's really me. I don't know if that's really the Lord. And then, like, things would come out of our family conversation many times that were total confirmations to the people that we would pray for. Can I just tell you, parents, train up a child in the way you should go, and when they get old, they will not depart from it. Train up a child in the prophetic waters of the Lord, and the Bible says in the last days, sons and daughters will prophesy. I believe God's called us as a congregational family to sound an alarm to raise up mothers and fathers that will raise up sons and daughters that will understand the prophetic waters of the Lord. Come on, I believe that's part of what God's calling us to do. And, and, you know, maybe your kids have grown and you've not missed it. There are grandchildren. I hear that there are grandchildren that come along after your children grow. No rush, girls, but you understand, I know that's the natural order and progression of, of that which takes place. So wherever you are, invest in not just natural sons and daughters. What about spiritual sons and daughters that you can pour into and encourage and invest? And in that moment, I explained this uh, to Rachel and to Chris, and then we just said, you know, let's just Take a moment and just pray. Whatever comes to your mind, whatever comes to your heart, just pray. And Rachel prayed an extremely confirming word to a business idea that Chris Goodson, the words that she used totally confirmed what he, a conversation he had just had, 
in preparation uh, for where he, what he and his wife are about to do. And, and it was just such a beautiful thing. I want to encourage you, put into practice the words of God. Make room to walk this out. When you became a Christian, supernatural abilities from God were unlocked in your life. Practicing and growing in these abilities is the Spirit-led life. John chapter 1, verse 12. It's very important that we practice this. As many as received Christ, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. We really need to grow in our sonship. As sons and daughters of God, we need to learn and grow in our sonship. We need to grow in the sense of confidence that we can have just to walk into the presence of God at any given moment in time in the way we're exploring through the course of the day when a situation comes our way and we need God's help. We just confidently come, boldly come into the throne room of God understanding that I'm about to make a decision but because I live a lifestyle of discussion with God, my decisions are simply discussions as he is speaking into the situation. This really does all come down to a lifestyle of submission and communication with God. And I love this portion of Scripture. And again, these are some verses we've talked about in these past few weeks, and I feel the Lord's wanting us to drive to something in it specifically. But Acts 15, 28, it says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Do you understand when your decision-making gets engaged and involved with God's counsel and conversation, it's just this cooperative expression, there's this rhythm that I was talking about, rhythm of walking in the Spirit, having a sense and an awareness, a discerning uh, sense. I, I sense this was of the Lord. I'm not sure about this. I'll step back from this. I'll pray about this further. I'll seek godly counsel, get input into my life so that I'm hearing God with greater clarity. Clearly, God is all about conversation. He sent his son Jesus and, and is, reveals that Jesus came as the word made flesh. And it was God saying, I'd like to have a word with you that we might initiate a conversation so that you might understand as sons and daughters of God that we're in this constant framework and constant state of interaction with each other. Now, this is where I want us to understand. Let's just take a quick vote and, and a hearty amen if you really want to hear the voice of God. Amen. I really want to hear the voice of the Lord. But it is vitally important that you understand God has never been in the business of raising up reservoirs. God is always in the business of raising up rivers. The reservoir mindset is about just taking the time to pray and hear God for me. I just want to hear God. I want to. But the river mindset is actually making yourself available to become an expression of God's loving conversation to the people in the five foot circle around you. Philemon 1 6 says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. I'm praying that prayer right now. I pray over the next seven days that you will be active in sharing your faith. Not because we have a sense of religious obligation to go out and share the gospel and fulfill the Great Commission, but so that you will have a full understanding 
of who you really are in Christ and who God's designed you to be. And when you get in a posture of allowing God to use you in the lives of others, there is an incredible release of an expansion of who he is in your heart and in your life. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. You know, I, I said this uh, I think last week, and it really struck me, I thought about it, but if you're nervous about sharing your faith, then you don't understand what sharing your faith really is. If you're nervous about sharing your faith, then religion has taught you what sharing your faith is all about. Because sharing your faith is not something to be nervous about. Sharing your faith is very natural for you to simply be who God's called you to be in a loving way to the people that are around you every single day. You don't love people so that you can choke, get them to choke down the gospel message. You love people because love is the gospel message. You understand what I'm saying? Religion like tries to position a hook in our behaviors, and that's not what the gospel is about. And that's what makes us nervous. We start thinking, all right, I'm going to do this so that I can. No, just love people. And, and it's amazing. When you actually genuinely love people, then they begin to ask questions. They begin to take an interest in what is motivating you from such a deep place to give love, compassion, and consideration to the people around you. It's profound. It's powerful. And the first sentence church completely understood what I'm talking about they were uh, they didn't just go through Jesus motions they became a Jesus movement to their generation so here the Christians are Jesus has come he's he's uh, dead buried resurrected from the grave empowered the the church the church now there's pers intense persecution that begins to happen Christians being burned at the stake I mean terrible atrocities taking place understand family members watching family members get their bodies sawed in half the bible describes in scripture some terrible things were taking place but then a shift happens in rome and constantine actually legalizes christianity so now all of a sudden christians are not running and hiding and having you know private gatherings but now they're publicly expressing their faith in such a way that they actually begin a benevolent expression that completely transforms society. Follow me on what I'm saying. Because they begin caring for the needs of people around them as the expression of the love and the life of Jesus Christ. That began to transform society in such a way, and we know that because 25 years after Constantine's death, Emperor Julian uh, took over. And he decides he wasn't going to be so accommodating to Christianity. He wanted to return Rome to paganism. He began to, to cultivate and fund the construction of pagan temples and, and pagan worship, but the culture wasn't shifting for him. And this is the thing, he wrote this letter, and, and I, I got a hold of this uh, in some of my studies a few years back, and I, it just really impacted me, because this is the letter. He's wanting to shift everything back, and this is what he says. These Galileans support not only their own poor, but ours as well. Like, they're not only helping their own people, they're helping everybody. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that ridiculous? Like, they're mowing people's lawns they don't even know in the neighborhood back here. And other people then say, hey, I want to help. Uh, who are you guys? What are you doing out here? How can I? I'm going to go get my mower. I mean, I, that might not seem like a big thing to you, but that's a big thing in the kingdom of God. Like, we've, we've 
wrestled this idea of Christianity down to stepping into a room, gathering to worship, and hearing the preaching of the word, and we bring our tithes so that we pay those people to provide the programs to help us feel like we're doing a job as Christians. You know what we really should be doing is gathering as the church, celebrating the fruit that we've had all week long because we've been out loving people well and changing the society around us everywhere we go. Emperor Julian goes on and he talks about it's going to be so difficult to get control of a society where Christians are being so generous. Do you hear that? He understands. It's going to be so difficult to take control when these people are loving everybody so well and everybody's alliance goes to them because they've loved them so well. And we must regain control. Early Christians simply understood that their role was to actively establish God's kingdom of love and compassion in the earth. You know, um, I know a lot of people in the room know what I'm about to say, and you've probably been wondering, when's he going to talk about it? When's he going to talk about it? Uh, we, we've been broken into this weekend, and we showed up this morning, and it was just crazy. Um, the first thing we see is like a keyboard turned over and in. Chrissy's office and her computer missing iPad. We come in here, equipment's all ripped off from the, the back. The computers are gone, the iPads are gone. Um, guitars are missing. Um, but some of you didn't even know that. <laughs> because when we come together as the church, we do whatever we need to do to make it happen, to express the kingdom in an expression of his love. And I think uh, Chrissy for for uh, you know having a loss this morning and impacted by that did a great job just getting up and bringing her heart before the Lord and all of us engaging on a whole another level and and you know this is what uh, I, I think about years ago somebody broke into the gymnasium back there and they stole our wildcat I mean of all things you steal the mascot what is your problem you have issues if you steal the mascot and so you know it really irritated me and, and I I said you know what we're gonna do we're gonna bless those who curse us we're gonna pray for those who mistreat us and we just began to pray, Lord, capture their heart. Lord, draw their attention. Help them to understand, Lord, that you have good plans for them. And they're only doing the things they're doing because they simply don't understand the better way of who Jesus really is. And then we prayed this prayer. Lord, let them not sleep at night until they bring that mascot back. Let them be under such conviction that they bring back our wildcat. And I'm not kidding you. Many of you are here. Within a week, these teenage boys show up. And their exact words were, we haven't been able to sleep at night. We wanted to bring this back. We took the, <laughs> the mascot in your gym. I mean, it was the craziest thing. This is the thing that all of us need to understand because I know, you, you know your blood starts to boil. Who would break it? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. When the, the Roman soldiers would require the Christians to, to you know, interrupt their day and carry the, all of their supplies for a mile, uh, which was a part of the Roman law, the Bible actually says don't just do that, but go the extra mile. Once they say, all right, your mile is up, you can go back. You say, how about I go one more mile just for you? You, know, you understand what I'm saying? We live in a society that demands our rights. We live in a society that bristles up against if you're going to impede on my rights. And the kingdom of God is about an element of humility that says we trust God as our source, God as our provider. We look to him. We will not allow circumstances around us to define who we are. Come on. We want to press in and love. So here's what we're going to do in response what we were doing yesterday, we're going to do today. We're just going to continue to love. 
the, the, the legislation and conversations that are going on with all of our, our school system and, and now masks, you know, for the teachers, the students, and all the things that are taking place. Pastor Chris reached out to the Middale structure, and they have uh, 1,800 teachers or 1,800 masks needed, and we as a church family are going to buy and provide those 1,800 masks to our public school system, and they, they were shocked. <laughs> they said, uh, we can't believe that you all are going to do that, but you know, that's just what the church does. That's, we just come together and we find ways to minister to others. The people that came in, uh, they, I guess, took a crowbar to the giving station back there and, and broke it off the wall, and uh, Caleb worked his construction capacity magic, and he put it back up on the wall. Um, and so, you know, of course, we leave thousands of dollars in the giving station boxes for weeks at a time, of course. You know, that's a, I'm sure that's what they were thinking. I mean, you know, just kind of crazy. But, but I just want to encourage you, come on, let's just be faithful to the Lord in the way we love and the way we serve and the way we give. Let's not be circumstantial about it. How many you know God wants our church family? I want you to hear this loud and clear with no question, no um, hesitation in my voice. God wants our church to be financially strong in a place of our community so that we're making a difference in the lives of people around us. That happens when we get it and we put our giving in order so that we can walk right past any limitations, and not only us, but people that aren't even our people, as we uh, describe. You know, they're caring not only for their own needs, but for those beyond them as well. I just believe God wants to wake something up in our hearts that we would learn what it is to really walk in his love. Now listen carefully. This is a very important statement, and then we're going to watch a, a video to, to see a demonstration of this that's just really profound. God is not merely loving. God is love. He's not merely loving. He is love. That's why sharing love is sharing God. And, and here's the statement. God's not trying to draw people into our beliefs. This is where the religious evangelism idea goes astray. God is not trying to draw people into our beliefs. The Bible doesn't say you'll be known by how strongly you believe what it is that you believe. That's not what it says. You'll be known by your love. God's not trying to draw people into our beliefs. God's trying to draw people into his love. Whether they ever believe our beliefs or not is between them and God. My responsibility is not to change anybody. My responsibility is to love everybody. And so is yours. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Religion handles it. Religion manages it. Religion tweaks it. Religion twists it. Religion manipulates it. But we are not a religious people. The spirit of religion crucified Jesus Christ on the cross. Do you understand that? We are not a religious people. We're a relational people. We're in relationship with God as our Father who loves all humanity, sent his Son so that all humanity would come to know the redeeming love and life of Jesus Christ. We carry that to our world. We need to pay attention and walk that out, sometimes in what seems to be really minimal. You have no idea. If God puts it on your heart to buy somebody sour cream potato chips, it might actually be an answer to a prayer they prayed. God, if you're really there, would you bring me some sour cream potato chips? I mean, you know, that just seems ridiculous. Maybe not so much after you watch this. Never underestimate the power of something so simple as an act of compassion. You know, the bottom line for us to walk through the course of our day 
have a sense of sensitivity to the needs of those around us or what will open the door for us to give consideration to what it is that might be on our heart to do to make a difference for them. Now our, our whole declaration as a church family comes down to the centerpiece statement that we sensed years ago the Lord gave us and we're people who bring God's presence to real life. Like something as simple as that is real life. I mean, you know, that's real life. We tend to over-spiritualize so much the expression of the love of Jesus in the way we live our lives. Just learning to be just sensitive to moments like that I think can be so obviously transformational. So I want to encourage you uh, the way this week I want to commission our church family to bring God's presence to real life is to listen and respond to the supernatural conversation of love all day, every day, this week. And we're just believing for many stories to emerge that we can celebrate. So as you uh, experience something of those uh, along those lines, please reach out and let us know by emailing the website or sending the text to the number that is up on the screen all the time now in the services to make sure you have that number saved in your phone. But reach out and let us know and let's celebrate as a family. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And these types of stories help awaken everybody to realize, you know what, if God can use that person, perhaps God can use me. I want to challenge you in that. Once you stand, I want to commission you today. Some of you might um, be here and say, you know, I just, I'd like somebody to pray with me that my ears would be open to all God wanted to say, that my heart would be discerning. So in just a few moments, our prayer team's going to be available in the lobby as we're doing each week now to consider social distancing. As we continue in worship, just would you open your heart to what God's desiring to speak, even in these moments of worship? And maybe uh, let the prayer team just stand with you, pray for you. If there's anything we can agree uh, with you about, we want to make that time in our place of prayer. But let me commission you before we step into that time of worship. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Paul prayed this prayer, made this declaration to the church of Corinth. And I want to make this declaration to you, church family, Destiny Church family. May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I, I want to challenge you to know something. You cannot walk with your spirit having a conversation with God if you're spiritually dead and if you've not accepted Christ then you are not spiritually alive you start to sense a bit of conversation coming to give your life to him but then everything opens up so I just want to challenge you today online in, on campus let's surrender our hearts truly to the Lord if you don't know Jesus this is a great time to invite him in to teach you if you do know Christ, how many of you want to go deeper today? Just deeper. So come on, let's all pray this prayer in agreement. It's a prayer of salvation. It's a prayer of lordship. It's a prayer of deeper. Everybody say it out loud with me. Say, Lord Jesus, you came, you lived, you died, but you're alive. And the way you lived became our example to be led by the Spirit, demonstrate your power, as the kingdom of God comes to the earth 
through our surrendered, available lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would teach us, you would guide us, you would direct us as we walk this out together as a family. In the name of Jesus. We want to cultivate this atmosphere of worship even more so. A week from Wednesday, we're going to gather for worship. You can join online, join on campus. We want to just get in the atmosphere of his presence. And I just want you to understand, we want to be very intentional about helping people find their way. So one week from today, we're going to have between the two services right now, we'll be concluding one week from today at this time in the first service, and we're going to go upstairs and do uh, just have a time together of what we call Discover Destiny. If you've not been to that, then I would invite you to come. Kevin and Lindsey Judd will be leading the charge in that. We'll be up there all together and explain a six-week focus to help you discover more of what God's desiring to do in this next season of our church family, of your life. So join us next week. Maybe you've been attending church here for years and you've never been to it. Just come check it out. Be, just join in with us between the two services. It'll be right after the first service and it'll take about 15, 20 minutes perhaps. Come on, let's press into the Lord. I'm going to invite our prayer team to find their way out uh, to the lobby right now if you'd like to join them. We are looking at bringing uh, communion back in individual serving packets uh, so that we have that available during worship. It's just something meaningful about participating and partaking of communion, the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. But let's take some time. Let's don't just conclude the sermon's over, got my message on, I'm out of here. Let's press into his presence. Let's translate what God has revealed into an expression of our lives in this place of worship. Holy Spirit, I thank you that the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with us there's a sense of interaction, a sense of the rhythm of God that's getting stronger in all of our lives as we learn to walk this journey, this, this walk of faith, this walk of love in a way that brings glory and honor to God and dignity to the people around us. Help us, Lord, to walk that out this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.